Hey there, welcome to the Mesh Podcast, a show talking about the political news that you missed this week. My name is Taylor Timish, and I have a lot of opinions. Frankly, I don't have any qualifications, but I definitely like to talk. Hopefully you enjoy. You are listening to a Timish Media Production. Good morning. Welcome to the first episode of the Mesh Podcast. Whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast or even Google Podcast, thank you for tuning in. My name is Taylor Timish, and I'd like to start off by letting you know a little bit about myself. I'm 23 years old, just recently had a birthday this past weekend, so eh, decide if you like me first, whether or not you want to tell me happy birthday. I've been interested in politics since I was in high school, so I am a registered Republican and I am conservative, but I would say that I can definitely take different perspectives. So most of my insight and most of my commentary on this podcast is going to be from a conservative viewpoint, but that's okay. We're all allowed to have our different opinions, whether or not I have guests on the show or whatever. If you have a different opinion, that is perfectly fine. I'm always open to hearing different perspectives on things, and even if I don't agree with you, You're 100% entitled to your opinion. Now, if you're wrong, believe me, I'll tell you that you're wrong. So, I don't like to present ideas without factual evidence. So, I'm not going to be doing all these conspiracy theories and a bunch of mess like that. This is going to be a strictly political recap of the previous week and my opinions and thoughts on them. That's pretty much it. I'd like to go ahead and get into it. Obviously, the biggest story this week was President Biden's inauguration And all the controversies surrounding that, the Capitol riot, everything like that. Washington was completely locked down with fences with barbed wire. It literally looked like politicians were locked in prison, which, frankly, some of them probably should be. A lot of hypocrisy coming from the media with the whole coverage of it. It was nothing like when Trump was inaugurated back in 2016, when he was completely ostracized from being a human being, it feels like. They treated him like absolute garbage, and as we could see during Biden's inauguration, they were pretty much kissing his boots as he was walking down the street. You even saw, I think it was Al Roker, giving him a fist bump. It's a mess. The media is just going to softball toss Biden the entire four years. So the only hard questions are going to come from maybe Fox News, but we kind of see that they're kind of losing their spine at this point. It seems like the only good thing that came out of the entire inauguration were the Bernie Sanders memes. Great way to start the year. We'll we'll definitely see that later in the year uh, in, a, in a yearly recap of the memes this year. I, one thing I really want to start off on with this hypocrisy of, of especially the media, but even the left in general, is the fact that uh, a Capitol Police officer, his name is Eugene Goodman, was walking Kamala Harris to the inauguration. And it, it, to me, it kind of speaks on the fact that the left is only liking things that fit the narrative so obviously he's a police officer and we kind of saw how police officers have been treated especially since the summer of last year but there was a video that came out of the capital riots where uh this particular officer and he is an african-american police officer he was leading rioters away from i guess the the officials that were were there in congress that day uh, when they were doing the votes for the election um, when they were certifying the votes for the election. He was seen leading rioters away from these people. And it kind of spoke to me in the fact that 
The media is absolutely celebrating this man. Of course, he should be. He should absolutely be celebrated. Great job by him during that day, and I'm sure he's had a great track record up to this point. The media has basically, it seems like they're worshiping him compared to how police officers were being treated last summer. So last summer, obviously, police officers were the dirt of the earth and the worst possible humans on planet earth. They're all racist and, and all this mess, but they're putting this man in the spotlight talking about how amazing he is. So I think that really shows the hypocrisy of how the left, especially has been treating police officers, but it goes back to the fact of it just fits their narrative. And of course, anything that's convenient to their narrative is going to be what they report on. Even during the riots for, for, well, even for the Black Lives Matter riots, it was literally, they were calling it peaceful protests while targets were burning down. There was a reporter from CNN reporting in front of a burning building saying that the protests were mostly peaceful. My only thing with the media is just be consistent on what you're reporting on. If you want to call the Capitol riots and all that awful, perfectly fine. I agree with you. But we also need to point out the fact that last summer, Black Lives Matter caused $4 billion in damages. Hello? Are we not going to report on that as it should be? Or are we just going to make this facade about how everything was peaceful and it was just a couple of them? I, I, I just don't get it. And this type of thing is going to continue for the next four years. With Biden being inaugurated as president, he was never asked any hard questions while he was on the campaign trail. And he's never going to be asked any hard questions while he's president. Nothing really eventful happened during the inauguration. There were no riots, anything like that. The National Guard was out, so obviously nobody's going to do anything too stupid. But most of the news from the day actually came after the fact when he was finally in the Oval Office signing executive orders. So he signed 17 executive orders in his first day. Uh, it was literally an hour after after he got into office that he was signing executive orders. And I'd like to go over some of these executive orders and how they reflect on the American people and what, if anything, is going to actually change. So the first executive order I want to go over is Biden signed an executive order reinstating ties with the World Health Organization. And as we know, Trump and his administration chose to withdraw uh, our membership and funding to it last year. Of course, the main reason that the Trump administration decided to leave the WHO was the fact that the United States was putting in a quarter of funding to the organization, while countries like China, Japan, Germany were putting in minuscule amounts. So last year, the U.S. put $116 million into the WHO, uh, 24% of total funding. The next highest was China at $57 million, Japan at $41 million, Germany 29 So we are only one of two nations that are in double digits for percentage of funding to the WHO, and the other one is China, who never seems to give their fair share on anything. Biden also signed another executive order ending the so-called Muslim ban, which I say that in quotations because it's not a Muslim ban. It was just a ban to nations that are majority Muslim. And on top of that, these all these nations were countries that Biden and Obama relentlessly bombed during their entire administration, completely destroying families and killing children. So if that's going to be the, the basis that we go on, Obama and Biden are, are Islamophobic, apparently, because that's the criteria that we go on. At least that's how the criteria, criteria was for, for Trump by the media. But we know that that's 
that's never going to happen. So Biden also signed another executive order that uh, basically eliminated the building of the border wall with Mexico. Of course, this is the moment when a caravan of thousands of people is on its way because we all know that Biden just wants open borders. Honestly, that's that's what the left is leaning to at this point. Any way that they can get votes uh, that tied with the fact that the uh, the Democrats are introducing legislation to allow illegal immigrants to vote in our elections. And of course, we know where most of those votes tend to go now. Nationalized uh, Latin Americans, especially people who have come legally to the United States, are finally starting to realize that they're not going to be used by the Democrats anymore. We can see even in the last election that Trump's voting totals from those minority groups are going up and the Democrats are starting to worry the fact that they're going to lose the ability to control these minorities and basically brainwash them into thinking that they're there to help them. And then, of course, when they get elected, they do nothing. We've seen that in in all basically all major metropolitan cities, Chicago, Los Angeles, Atlanta, just Democrat leadership leads to nothing good. The United States is also going to be joining back into the Paris Climate Accord, which for the exact same reason that we left the WHO was being completely underfunded by everybody but the United States. The U.S. contributed $3 billion to the Paris Climate Accords, while the next highest was Japan at 1.5 and the U.K. at 1.2. And of course, the Biden administration and Democrats want us to contribute money to basically lost causes. I mean, frankly, nothing that we're going to do in the next 50 years is going to reduce the uh, global temperature by even a minuscule percentage point. So what is the point? And we know that they're not going to hold China responsible for the uh, absolutely abominable emissions that come from their country. China and India are two of the worst pollutants in the entire world, yet no one wants to hold them accountable for what they're doing. And frankly, we know that Democrats and the left have no accountability anyway. So they're always blaming somebody else for the problems that they've brought on to everyone else. Probably the most controversial executive orders that Biden signed was number one, basically revoking the permit for the Keystone Pipeline, which costs roughly 11,000 jobs between the U.S. and Canada. And you saw that Canada this week wasn't definitely weren't happy with that. They were very disappointed in the fact that jobs were lost. And Canada is our greatest energy trade partner. So why are you going to do something that's going to directly cut the line that's going to run from Canada to the Gulf Coast? It, it just doesn't make any sense. There were a lot of other rollbacks to Trump administration environmental policies uh, such as vehicle emission standards, undoing decisions to slash the size of several national monuments, enforcing a temporary moratorium on oil and natural gas leases in the Arctic National Wildlife re uh, Refuge, and reestablishing a working group on the social cost of greenhouse gases. All of these rollbacks are not the fact that they do anything for the environment. It's just the fact that it has Trump's name on it. Of course, Biden doesn't want Trump's name associated with anything to do with government or legislation at this point. So that's going to be why most of these rollbacks are happening. And Biden also ended the Trump administration's 1776 commission, uh, which released a report on Monday that historians said distorted the role of slavery in the United States, among other other history. Uh, he also revoked Trump's order, limiting the ability of federal agencies, contractors and other institutions to hold diversity and inclusion training. Uh, basically, the left just called this out as being racist and how the 1776 commission was just a racist document to disprove the, the garbage 1619 project, which is probably the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. I definitely implore everyone to go look at the 1776 commission. It's like 50 pages and it's great. It starts from the beginning of America and how we progressed as the first free nation in the world to completely outlaw slavery 
and everything from since then to now. It's it's great. It talks about American ingenuity and how we basically led the world in creating Western society as it, as it's known today. With that, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about South Dakota Governor Chrissy Noem and how she was trashed on Instagram by so-called conservative Republicans who were angry at her for going to Biden's inauguration. We're also going to talk about some of Biden's cabinet picks and also how his press secretary is probably a communist. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to The Mesh Podcast, a Timish Media production. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts for updates on new episodes. Now back to the show. It seems like South Dakota Governor Christy Noem has been pretty much the sweetheart of the Republican Party for at least the past year. Um, she's been very highly regarded as a future presidential candidate, yet on Instagram on Inauguration Day, she was absolutely blasted by so-called conservative Republicans who had the audacity to say that she was basically an awful person, that it was awful that she was at this inauguration, she supports Biden and his fake election and everything like this. And this is a case in point of where we need to see that it's done at this point. Biden is the president. There is nothing that can be done. We need to let go of this whole idea that Trump is just going to magically come back to office and it's going to be hunky-dory from that point on. Trump is done in politics, at least for now. So why are we going to trash people that have consistently stood for what Republicans are standing for, like Christy Nome? I was reading through the comments, and some of them were just absolutely terrible. Some basically saying that she was not going to get their vote anymore because she went to the inauguration for the President of the United States. And... You know, I, I frankly, I probably lost brain cells reading some of those comments. Republicans who claim to be Republicans need to understand that we don't take up this position like the left does and just absolutely bashing people who does something that we do not agree with. If she wants to go to the inauguration, she can go to the inauguration. But we're doing things now that we we say the Democrats and the left does. And we're just being hypocrites at this point. So we need to get this through our heads that. Just because somebody decides to do something that you don't necessarily agree with doesn't mean that they're a terrible person or they support some fraudulent election or whatever you want to believe. So just please be respectful. There's no point in being just mean for no reason. So beyond that, we're going to talk about Biden's cabinet picks and how some of them stand out and are somewhat controversial, I feel like, and some other appointees that he's leaning towards at this time. While the left is bashing people that Trump pardoned just because they were either close to him or associates of his or whatever. At the same time, Joe Biden is trying to appoint people to positions that, frankly, they have no qualifications for, just for the reason that they check some intersectional box that qualifies them to be whatever he appoints them to be. The first one being Pete Buttigieg, a homosexual man from Indiana, who was the mayor of South Bend, uh, a city of a population of 100,000, who Biden is putting as the transportation secretary, which doesn't make too much sense because he has absolutely no experience in anything to do with transportation. The only accomplishments that Pete Buttigieg has as a human being is being a mayor of a small town in relative size to 
some of the cities in the United States and being gay. That's that's pretty much it. That's his qualifications in Joe Biden's administration. But it's Joe Biden. So people that he's appointing that are, are basically just favors at this point. That's OK. But when Trump wants to give a pardon to somebody, that's absolutely wrong. So the double standard continues, I suppose. Next is Rachel Levine, who's being put as the assistant health secretary. Uh, again, we're looking to check the uh, intersectional box as she or formerly he is transgender. And I feel like it's somewhat ironic. We have someone who can't identify as their own biological determination, helping to lead anything related to health. And then lastly, probably the most controversial appointee is Jake Sullivan. Um, he's being appointed as the uh, national security advisor. And he has a somewhat troubling past, I would think so. Um, he was a former Clinton aide at the State Department when she was there under the Obama administration. And he reportedly worked directly with Clinton's private email server, which we know how that turned out. Or, frankly, didn't turn out because the media doesn't really report on stuff that, like I said, doesn't fit their narrative. He was also basically interrogated by the Benghazi committee when that whole fiasco went down and was absolutely handled atrociously by Clinton and basically everybody in that administration at the time. It was awful. And yet Clinton and Obama and that whole administration still fail to admit the fact that they let Americans die based on their bad decisions. More than likely, all of these appointees by Biden are going to get confirmed. I mean, we have a Democrat controlled Congress completely. So we'll see if there's any objection to any of them. Jake Sullivan, I don't think should be in government at all at this point. And Rachel Levine, eh, health or delusional mindset that he has. It seems that everything Biden is doing at this point is is a failure. His his Keystone Pipeline revoke of their permit, costing jobs. And we learned yesterday that he has absolutely no direction for his COVID plans. It's basically just wait until the vaccine gets to you. That's That's his big plan that we've been waiting on for the past however long he's been running at this point. So on that note, I'd just like to bring up Jen Psaki real quick, his press secretary, who is obviously a communist. I I don't know, man. I mean, you look at her and she just looks evil to begin with. But frankly, before this, the best thing that she's known for was doing a photo op with Russia's chief foreign affairs protagonist, uh, Lavrov, and wearing a pink hat with a hammer and sickle on it. So that paired with the fact that she used to work at CNN, that kind of tells you enough. I mean, she's 100% communist. You know, she, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Lastly, today, I want to talk about kind of the outlook of the conservative movement. Frankly, the conservative movement is in fractures and is very delicate right now. It seems when Republicans have the power to make change, they simply twiddle their thumbs and do nothing. This is in stark contrast to Democrats who just, frankly, they exploit the full ability of power when they get it. The moment Republicans want to be forward-oriented and passionate about legislation, they no longer have the power to do so and simply stew in their own consequences they literally sit around and complain about the fact that they can't do anything while they had all the time in the world before soon all the progress made by conservatism over the past four years is going to be reversed a lot of that is already happening you see that with biden's executive orders and things like that and unfortunately the candidates in georgia couldn't have been more boring leading to overall democrat control both in the congressional and executive branch we're seeing things like conservatives being deplatformed on social media. Trump, as soon as he left office, he's been completely deplatformed. He can no longer use Twitter or Facebook. And he's even facing a possible conviction by the Senate even after he's out of office. 
the mentality of some Republican voters is deeply flawed right now. We have the rational thinking ones who realize the election is over. It's time to start now and protecting the things we hold dear. Yet there is a group among us that still believes Trump is president and that the election was a fraud show. It's time to get over the fact that Trump is no longer our president. Whether we like it or not, there's nothing we can do to change it except to, in four years, be prepared to change it then. Hope isn't lost. Republicans and even people who are on the fence can stop looking to one person in Washington to solve all of their problems for them and focus on getting others into the fray. There's plenty of conservatives that actually have the ability to lead and be great. We need to look to our local elected officials and let them know that if they do not represent us, if they do not hear to why people elected them, they'll just be replaced. There needs to be a change in how Republicans operate, and that needs to be done now and not in four years. So go out, talk to your congressman, talk to your elected officials, talk to your mayor. It doesn't matter. Talk to someone and let them know how you want this country to be ran. And if they're able to do it, then let them do it. If they're not, then replace them. Thank you for listening to the Mesh Podcast. We'll be back next week. Monday at 9 a.m. Have a good week. Have a productive week. And always look to better yourself.